Okay, well, welcome back to the show, guys. You are listening to Deep Dive for Life, the show where we take a deep dive into Christian life. And it's we've had a little bit of a break, a little bit of a break, a little bit of time away, and uh, we're able to come back and uh, really jump into an interesting topic. Um, today, we're going to be looking at the Judas in all of us. Hmm. Um, Judas, for those of you who know, um, is the one is the man who is famously known for betraying Jesus. Um, one of the 12 disciples that ended up betraying Jesus and selling him for 30 pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're going to be looking at some maybe not so well looked at themes about who, Jude- who Judas was um, and how um, even we relate to him in certain ways. Uh, I mean, because we all betray Jesus in some form or fashion. Uh, but we're going to be looking at who Judas was and maybe some things that we can take away from his life, from his example. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not necessarily a good example, right. but it's a great example of how not to live your life. There are a lot of warnings there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people are wondering, you know, well, why are we talking about Judas now? It's like, well, uh, he was... For any of you who are watching The Chosen, they just now released his character on The Chosen. They've revealed his character on The Chosen. And there's some TikTok meme going about about who Judas was or, you know, something about Judas. I don't know. I don't pay attention to all that stuff. But mm. so to start off, um, let's just look a little bit about who Judas was. I mean, we really don't have a ton of context here other than the fact that he was one of the 12 disciples. Yes. Um, his name indicates to some Judas Iscariot that he is from um, a particular village in Judah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's true, then that would make him different from the other 11 disciples who are from Galilee. Mm-hmm. But we don't really know that. Uh, we don't really know where Judas is from. Um, we know he has a good name, mm-hmm. uh, Judah, uh, who was one of the sons of of. Jacob and the ancestor of Christ mm-hmm. it's through Judah's line that Jesus is descended. Um, and so Judah was a very popular name. Uh, one of Jesus' brothers is named Judah. Um, we um, think of him as Jude in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a famous revolutionary figure between the Old Testament and the New Testament named Judas Maccabees. And so just as George is a popular name in the United States for a season after George Washington, mm-hmm. uh, Judas was a popular name um, in the land that Jesus lived in. Yeah. So a lot of scholars believe that we kind of give him the name Judas Iscariot just to make him different from the rest of the Judases. <laughs> yes. One of the gospel writers points out that there's a, a another Judas who mm-hmm. is a disciple. And so it's to kind of make a difference, a distinction between them. Mm-hmm. So even though we don't have a lot of information about who he was, where he came from, I mean, we have a little indication of how he was as a disciple. Yeah, and and I guess one of the things we need to recognize is that he really was a disciple. Mm-hmm. I mean, he listened to the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. He heard Jesus' warnings that uh, those who hear his words and put them into practice have that firm foundation. Those who hear his words and disregard them, you know, it's like building your house on the sand. Mm-hmm. Judas heard those things. Uh, Judas saw the amazing miracles that Jesus did. I mean, he saw his, he saw that Jesus had power over nature and over the demonic and over sickness and um, over death. And he saw Jesus claim to be able to forgive sins and accept people's worship. So he saw all the same things that the other disciples had. And, and I guess, too, it's just important to realize that he wasn't a... Um, he wasn't following Jesus from a distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they ate together. They um, 
you know, they spent literally almost every waking moment from um, for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Judas was right there. And, and I guess that is disturbing on a lot of levels because it emphasizes or points out or helps us to understand that you can um, be near the things of God without really loving God. Hmm. Um, Judas was right there beside Jesus, the very um, source of salvation. And yet Judas is one of the people that we know of in history that we know will not be in heaven mm-hmm. um, because Jesus' words are very clear about that. Um, and so he's, he's right there, but he doesn't experience the things that God has for him. Yeah, and that's just an interesting takeaway from his life because I would kind of consider him the same way of how whenever you're in a room with certain smells, you become nose blind. Hmm. Judas kind of shows us a bit of this like soul blindness, yeah, um, which is so relatable in certain ways because it, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people who are involved with doing great things, I mean, even involved in churches, I mean, they can just become so surrounded by it, you really don't even notice it's there anymore. Um, But we know Judas was a disciple. I mean, he was one of the ones that Jesus called. Yeah. And and if you think back over the gospel accounts, Jesus will send these disciples out Mm -hmm. to witness, to cast out demons, to heal sick people. I mean, the disciples do some pretty amazing things under under Jesus' leadership, and Judas was part of that. Mm -hmm. And yet, I mean... Some scholars believe that uh, Judas was possessed by Satan when he turned Jesus in. Well, the scriptures actually use that wording. Okay. Um, um, during the Last Supper, there's a you know a point where um, Jesus hands him a piece of bread, and it says, "And after that, Satan entered him." Mm. Um, and we're reminded of some of the New Testament teaching. You know, Paul will say, "Don't let the sun go down on your anger, mm-hmm. because if you do, you're giving the devil a foothold. Mm-hmm. You're giving him an entry point um, to, to to mess things up in your life." Um, and so, there evidently was a willingness on Judas's part to to leave that door open, yeah, uh, for Satan. So Judas was one of the ones that Jesus called, and this we kind of enter into the realm of predestination, free will oh, yeah. here. Yeah, Judas becomes an interesting case study for, for that, that, that difficult thing. We know from Scripture that we have free will. Mm-hmm. We know from Scripture that God is sovereign and that um, He is in control. And um, we have trouble reconciling those ideas um, to, to make them work. And mm-hmm. so there are whole theological debates and all that kind of stuff. And I think we've done another podcast about some of those issues. Mm-hmm. But Judas sort of becomes the case study there because when you read the scriptures about Judas, there is very strong language that he is doomed to destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, let me, let me read an example of that. This is uh, from Jesus' high priestly prayer where he's praying for us and he's praying for the disciples and he asks that they be sanctified by the truth of God's word. Um, and then this is, um, oh, I read, skipped down to the wrong place. But look at uh, John seventeen twelve. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. And by that name you gave me, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture will be fulfilled. So, um, you know, in, in the Old Testament, there's a, a passage in Psalms. It is uh, Psalm 41.9 that talks about, Even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. And in Zechariah, you have the, the uh, prophecy about the 30 pieces of silver. And mm-hmm. so, so 
this is evidently part of God's plan. Um, and so that would certainly lend itself to the predestination argument. And there have been many, many theologians over the years that have said, you know, Judas was doomed to destruction and there, he didn't have a chance. Yeah. But personally, <laughs> I believe so strongly in free will that I really think Judas did have an opportunity. And I think if you look carefully at Jesus' words to him, you can almost hear an invitation for Judas not to follow mm-hmm. um, these demons in his life, mm-hmm. but for him to really um, embrace Christ. And, and I think God's plan would have happened regardless. Um, but I, I truly believe Judas has a choice. And so in some ways, Judas is kind of a case study for that free will predestination thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess part of the argument for, for that for me, too, is um, would God really doom someone to destruction who didn't have a chance, mm-hmm. who didn't have a choice, who didn't? And, and, and that's not how I view God. Yeah. I view yeah. God as, as someone who longs for everyone to come to him through, through repentance, through mm-hmm. his son, Jesus Christ. And he gives everyone that. He gives us all enough grace to be able to respond to him. Yeah, I would feel a lot less okay with the idea of a God who would just give us no choice and then condemn us. us. Yes. Um, So here we have at the Last Supper, when the whole scene happened, Mm. um, the big betrayal in Act 2, it's kind of, it's interesting because, you know, Jesus called him to be a disciple when he knew what would happen. Yes. Um, And at the same time, here we have this very powerful moment when Jesus is washing all the disciples' feet. Oh, yeah. Meaning he is washing the man's feet who is going to eventually betray him and turn him in. Yes. Ultimately resulting in his death. Yes. It's just such a powerful statement of what a Christian really should be. Yes. An incredible outpouring of love Mm -hmm. uh, from Jesus who practiced what he told us to do, which was to love our enemies to pray for those who who do terrible things to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus washes his feet, uh, his dirty feet. And, and 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 I guess that fits into what I will say in a minute ago, that, that Judas has every opportunity not to, because mm-hmm. I think in that moment, that's, that's kind of a pivotal moment. Yeah. And, it, of course, it may have thrown Judas over the edge, you know. Um, we don't know why Judas betrayed Jesus. Um, it, you know, obviously there's the 30 pieces of silver involved, so mm-hmm. we don't know if greed was, you know, a, a component of that, um, or if his heart was just so far away from God. Some have um, put forth the idea that maybe Judas was trying to push Jesus to be the kind of Messiah he thought he should be, hmm. rather than the suffering Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, More of the traditional Messiah that all of the Jews thought he was going to be. Yes. Yeah. Um, because Judas seems to be remorseful when Jesus is condemned to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to create a change of heart, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think our tendency is to vilify Judas. But one of the things I want to get across is that we share so much in common with him. Mm-hmm. And and we do horrible things in a moment and then realize what we've done yeah. afterwards. So, I mean, he, it, he is very relatable. Mm-hmm. because of the sinful condition of our hearts. So moving along the timeline here, we have that Jesus washed his feet, and that's a very personal moment between yes. the two of them. I mean, it's... If you've ever had anybody wash your feet, it's a... It weird. Is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> very weird experience. But, I mean, he washes his feet, and that just really just shows God's relationship with us. Yes. Like, even though I mean, we betray him all the time, yes. he still loves us. And While we were yet sinners, yes. Christ died for us. Yeah. 
And he like even like if you think about it, I mean, washing the feet. I mean, that's just even a bigger picture of how like Jesus is washing the sins away. I mean, right. it parallels. Yes. Uh, but then he sits down and eats with them. Yes. So not only are you washing his feet, but you are eating with them, and then just flat out saying that one of you will betray me. Yes. And I could have just imagine the, the looks at the table um, and the silence that followed. I'm sure. Right. Uh, well, and, and the Gospels record the disciples asking, is it I, Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, would I do that? So so there's a realization on each disciple's heart that they're capable yeah. of such a thing. Which relates to, like, mm-hmm. because, I mean, we're, we're all capable of incredible evils. And yet it's, again, the predestination free will thing. I mean, but then we have the choice whether or not we want to follow that path. Right. Whether or not we want to betray the ideals, whether or not we want to betray the Jesus in our life. Uh but so they have the Last Supper, and I, I, I kind of wonder what was going through Judas's mind whenever Jesus said that, whenever Jesus said, one of you will betray me. I mean, do you think by that point he already knew? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Gospels actually tell us that he had already made arrangements at that point. He'd mm-hmm. gone to the chief priests and said, what will you give me mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. betray him? So, right, right. So, so Judas already had the plan in, involved, and and. Some of the gospel writers tell us that Jesus then turns, then turns to Judas and says, what you must do, do quickly. Um, hmm. Which, you know, also lets us know that it's part of God's larger plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's compassion in Jesus' heart, even in those words. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he's not telling him to do it. He's just saying, hey, whatever decision you make, you need to make it. Um, again, giving him the opportunity to choose otherwise. Uh, but let's look at, I did a little research on what 30 pieces of silver hmm. could mean, right. yeah. other than the Zechariah passage where they talk about being betrayed about for 30 pieces yeah. of silver. Um, the, they kind of have a few estimates of what 30 pieces of silver would be worth. Okay. Um, in today's money, it's probably anywhere between six dollars to $10,000. Okay. Um, so not a ton of money for right. what you're doing, right. but... Uh, if it came, like, we kind of thought of, well, was Judas doing this for the money? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see in some gospel accounts that he was the one that was in charge of the money. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me kind of clue into John chapter 12, which is the story of Jesus being anointed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the anointing of Jesus is powerful for, for many different reasons. Um, Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah, Christ, literally means the anointed one, mm-hmm. <laughs> the chosen one. So, so here we have... Uh, Jesus anointing described in scriptures and Jesus will tell us that it um, prepares him for his burial it prepares him for what's going to happen next Um, but let me just read the account it's in John chapter 12 starting at verse 4 well maybe we should start at verse 3 then Mary took a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume she poured it on Jesus feet and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume but one of his disciples Judas Iscariot who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It is worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Um, so John gives us a little commentary there mm-hmm. um, that Judas, well, there's several things we learn from here. One is the disciples trusted him enough to be the treasurer. Mm-hmm. He was the one who kept their money. Yeah. Um, so evidently he personified that kind of trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I think about people all through the years that have embezzled money or that kind of thing and betrayed that trust that people have put into them. Um, so Judas is in, in that camp. He, he, he's the treasurer. Um, but John also, though, attacks his motive because he's saying Judas isn't concerned about the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's evidently not terribly concerned about Jesus. He is concerned about himself. Yeah. So passages like that, even though you're not talking about a lot of money, we do stupid things for little bits of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about, of course, I know drugs are involved sometimes in the decisions that people make, but, um, you know, people that would tear up an entire um, church van to get a catalytic converter mm-hmm. or ruin a whole air conditioning system to get enough money for a hit. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Yeah. But it is what people do. Mm-hmm. Um, they said it was about six months of working wages at the time. Okay. Um so, it, again, it's not a ton of money, but it's enough to kind of make you think. Yes. Like, okay, well, yeah. I mean, Nobody maybe. would willingly want to turn down that kind of money. Right. But the trade-off or even the opportunity cost, I guess you'd say, uh, is just so interesting here because it's like, well, it's not a ton of money, and yet we're talking about Jesus here. Yes. And maybe he thought they wouldn't go through with it. Maybe he thought that, oh, well, I'll just make a little side cash and nothing will ever happen. I mean, it it, it may be one of those things where it, he kind of rationalized and he thought through, like, okay, well, this would be really good at this time. Right. And then, like a, the um, accounts say, that once he realizes that Jesus was set to be crucified, I mean, he felt remorseful about it. He, right. I think one of them even says that he tried to give them the money back. Well, he did. They wouldn't accept it, but right. he throws it on the floor. Mm-hmm. And they wind up using it to buy a field, mm-hmm. pottery, which is also prophesied. Yeah. Um, so it's, but we do that kind of thing all the time. Yeah, we do. It's such an interesting example of just how we uh, act one way in a moment and then completely 180 in another. And we rationalize, mm-hmm. and it gets us into a ton of trouble. Uh, as you were talking, I, I was thinking that, you know, it, J- Judas had seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with bread and loaves. Mm-hmm. Judas had seen God's power displayed through Jesus' life over and over and over again. Um, it may well be that Judas thought Jesus would just miraculously, you know, put away the troops or cause their swords to turn into something else. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that, that Judas had such faith in Jesus that... He knew that his actions wouldn't affect things. Yeah. Of course, that's a rationalization on our part, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was even thinking maybe he thought that, like you'd mentioned earlier, turn him into the Messiah that he wanted him to be. Yeah. Maybe this would be the turning point where he would turn on the Romans. Right. And, you know, do whatever, yeah. <laughs> do, do whatever they thought he was going to do, yeah. uh, either throw them out or destroy them at that point. But... Uh, that's not what Jesus' intention was to begin with. No, and it points to another issue, which is that even though Judas was there listening to Jesus, he did not really hear Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an indictment on us, too, because um, particularly those of us that have been in church all of our lives, we've heard God's Word preached. We've heard God's Word proclaimed. And yet there is part of us that still hasn't gotten it, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that rejects what we're supposed to be doing uh, in favor of what we've always done. Mm-hmm. And so like Judas, we, we, what, what God has given to um, help us, we have subtly rejected and rationalized away. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, we betray Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, anytime we sin, we're, we are actively betraying what the good that God has 
intending to do in our lives and choosing our own path and choosing our own way and asserting our independence and rebelling against God's love. So there's a betrayal there too. Um, and just like with Judas, it's personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we're betraying or rebelling against a God who is out there somewhere. This is the God who created us. Mm-hmm. This is the God who knows our inmost thoughts. This is the God who who knit us together in our mother's womb. I mean, he is um, closer to us than anyone um, knows why we do what we do even when we don't. And yet that's the very God we betray. Yeah. So that personal nature is there with us too. Yeah. Yeah, this is, it's not a scenario where he's just selling out some guy he didn't know. I mean, this is a man that he's followed. This is a man he's been with for the past at least three years. Um, This is a guy who's, like you said, sent him on missions, sent him to do things in his name. I mean, it's just, it is, it's baffling to think that someone who is so close to Jesus could betray him. And yet, just the realization that, well, if he can, how much easier is it for us to? Yes. Because he doesn't seem to share Jesus' heart. Mm-hmm. He doesn't uh, have Jesus' compassion. He doesn't seem to have Jesus' priorities in mind. And even though he is right there as Jesus teaches, I suspect most things go right over his head just as they go right over our heads. Mm-hmm. So how do we keep from becoming Judas? Uh. <laughs> How do we keep from betraying yeah. Jesus that we know? I think the answer is love. Um, mm. Our love for God needs to outshine all other loves in our lives. Uh, our love for Jesus needs to be stronger than any other love. Um, we really need to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. It 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 not only honors God, but it saves us from a world of pain and trouble. Um, and so I, I really think loving God and and growing in our love for God is key there. Yeah. Because um, I don't think Judas loved Jesus, hmm. really. I mean, he betrays him with a kiss. Mm-hmm. But, but all that, you know, even though it's personal, it's superficial. And his obedience to Jesus was conditional, you know. So, and if we're not careful, our obedience will be conditional. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we'll follow God as long as we get this, 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 and this. But if things don't go our way, all bets are off. And yeah. We're going to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Another interesting point here is it is also a little bit of a case study on what happens when Christians act one way but are really another. Whenever we go through life having the correct look Yes. Having the correct persona. Yes. And yet on the inside still being corrupt. Yes. Um, I mean, we see that at the end of Judas's life. I mean, that's the same result every time. We can't we can't go on living this double life. Right. Yeah, we've learned over time what acceptable language mm-hmm. we need to use or what what actions are acceptable. And so we've cleaned up the outward appearance, mm-hmm. but most of the time we've neglected what really needs to change, which is our hearts. We've learned what not to say to, you know, so that we can keep our jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, be respectable members of society and, you know, family, but but it's what's in our hearts that's really the dangerous thing that needs our attention. And, and it points us to our incredible need for God because uh, my heart is so corrupt that my only hope is God um, to create in me a new clean heart. And he's the only one that's able to do that. 
The story of Judas also gives a contrast because, you know, Judas betrays Jesus and he is remorseful and he tries to give the money back and he tries to undo what he's done and he can't, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can relate to that. Yeah. Um, and there's a contrast there with Peter who but who denies the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can mince words, which one's worse, denying or betraying. But, but you know, there, there's that same spirit at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter also weeps bitterly, the scripture tells us. But there is repentance on Peter's part, and there's not repentance on Judas's part. <laughs> and so that, too, is a, is a powerful thing because we sin. And there is a sorrow that comes from that that just heaps more guilt on. Mm-hmm. Or there's an opportunity to turn from our sin and to turn to God and mm-hmm. to experience his grace and mercy and to allow that to be a fresh and new beginning. And so... Peter and Judas sort of represent two choices on our part. Uh, how are we going? All of a sin. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about that sin? Are we just going to wallow in it? Or are we going to um, allow Jesus to change our hearts and move and work? There's a, a verse that uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Um so we can be sorry about what we've done, and that really just makes things worse. Yeah. Or we can be sorry about what we've done and turn to God and turn from our sin and turn to, to God. So, so Judas and Peter sort of represent two choices for us as we relate to our own sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it can also show how people, even though they're in the same upbringing, same scenarios, they can make different choices too. Yes. Um, I mean, you think they were both with Jesus, even though Peter may have been with him longer. I mean, they were both with him for a pretty decent amount of time. They saw relatively the same things, and yet they both had different reactions to how they how they handled their sin. Yes. Yeah, there's just a lot we can pull from even the bad people in the Bible. Yeah, well, and those examples are there not so that we will do what they did, mm-hmm. but so that we won't have to learn everything the hard way. Yeah. Um, and, and Judas's heart has all the symptoms of being far away from God. Um, he's overly critical, as you you know picked up from the text when we read John 12. Um, he doesn't share Jesus' goals, motives, priorities. Um, he's physically close, but yet you know the, the same miracles and the same words aren't having the same effect on him mm-hmm. uh, that perhaps they had on the other disciples. And so we can look at those warning signs in Judas's life and hopefully take note and not turn out the same way. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Deep Dive for Life. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show this week. Remember to reach out to us at deepdiveforlife at gmail.com with any questions you may have for us to cover in the show. Thanks again. And remember to keep diving, friends. Mm-hmm.